Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. So when we do our Thanksgiving offering as we come, one of the things we always emphasize is missions. And as part of that, uh, we like to have some of our missionaries come uh, when they're available and share a little bit about what's going on in their ministry and just kind of keep us up to date and, uh, and do a little bit of preaching. So we have Eric Rose here with us today. And if you've been around Meadowbrook for a while, you would know Eric. Eric and Julia uh, are part of Power to Change Ministries, which used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And so they minister in Montreal uh, to English-speaking campuses there, uh, and so Eric's going to be bringing the word this morning. So would you welcome Eric here today? Thank you very much, Chris. Um, it's great to be here. It's a happy Thanksgiving. It's a, um, for us, it's been a great Thanksgiving. We spent uh, last, I'm sure most of you know Kay Whitfield, my mother-in-law. Well, last night we uh, celebrated uh, all day, half the night, her 90th birthday, and uh, it was great. We, uh, we reflected on uh, 90 years of, uh, of trusting God, how they had been missionaries in, in Africa in the 50s and 60s, and how they served in the church here, and how their kids are doing different things in all parts of the world. And it was just a great time of celebration. Sherry put on a great party, and it, it was fantastic. And I see Sherry is the only one from my family here this morning. <laughs> Even mom didn't make it, but I think they're coming at 11, so it was a good party. Um, it was a good thing. It was just lots to be thankful for. I am uh, also thank you. I know that uh, last week, many of you were praying for our retreat with our students. I asked you to pray, and we had a great retreat with uh, students from Montreal, uh, Kingston, and Ottawa, uh, leadership students and young students, and uh, it was really fantastic. We had uh, 80 students come from McGill, over 120 from English campuses in Montreal, and uh, we've just seen that, group, that ministry in Montreal grow over the last few years, where even four years ago at the same retreat, we had about 40 people. And so uh, it, was, it was fantastic. We had, I think, 250 students all together, and we were very thankful for that. So I'm in a thankful mood this morning, and I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for this church. I was asked to speak uh, um, about the, the ministry that we're involved in, Julie and I, and have been involved with for almost 30 years now. And so what I'd like to share is... Uh, more or less uh, five strategic reasons why the university is important. But before I do that, I'd like to um, share, to do that, I'd like to share a little bit about God's call in my life, uh, some of the ways he's used me, and then uh, at the end show a short video. So um, let me start by praying. Father, um, thank you for all your goodness. Thank you for, boy, we just have so much, and we could be thankful all day, and uh, you are so good. And so thank you for all your goodness, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for a beautiful place to worship you, and thank you that, uh, that you're never too busy to be here with us, and you're with us, you're around us, and I pray that you'd, be, um, you'd enjoy and you'd be blessed by everything that happens here today. In Jesus' name, amen. I had just turned 20, and I was on the bus heading back home for, to university for my third year of studies. I don't know the name of the guy who sat beside me, but I'll never forget what he did for me. We talked about a lot of things on the bus, and we started talking about spiritual things near the end of the trip. And as I was leaving the bus to take another bus for the rest of my trip back to university, um, this young man gave me a, something called a tract called the Four Spiritual Laws and suggested that I might find it interesting. I had a four-hour layover, so I got some food and sat outside around midnight to read the booklet. As I read, somehow I knew that it was what I needed. Somehow God just 
took the veil away, and I thought, this is true, and this is what I need. And so in a parking lot in a strip mall in northern BC, God just claimed me as his child. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, of course, there's a before and an after this story. The before, I grew up in a semi-religious home. We had a choice each Sunday either to uh, go to church with mom or stay at home and work all day with my dad. And my dad is a very difficult person to work with, was a very difficult person to work with. And so the choice was obvious. Every Sunday, all the kids went with mom to church. Um, so I had some experience with church, but it wasn't actually a place where I ever heard the gospel or really understood or really even heard the Bible much. And so I, I left a... Uh, that church experiencing not knowing much. And when I got to university, without my dad's um, work pressure, there was no longer for me to be in church Sunday morning. And so Sunday morning usually found me in some state of recovery from something uh, around, uh, rather than in church on, uh, in the morning. I was not very interested in God or anything like that. However, over time, I began to question some of the things I was involved in and the values I was living my life by. And by the end of my second year, um, I was uncertain if there were even answers out there for the questions that I had. I was still drawn to Christianity. Um, a lot of my friends, were, all my friends were non-Christians, but we would sit around sometimes at night, as university students still do, and ask questions, does God exist? Is God out there? Does it matter? Um, but we always felt like we were just kind of wandering in the dark because we never really knew anyone who could provide us with answers. And so I'm so thankful to that young man who had the courage to risk you know, being rejected, who just simply did a simple act of give me the track to read. Um, and when I read it, I, I really knew that it was the truth. How about the after? Well, I'd like to say that everything changed for me instantly, and in fact, it did. I, I started reading the Bible regularly. I started praying regularly. I went to a Christian bookstore and, and bought some books. I, I, uh, my mom had given me a Bible, and so I read that all the time. Um, but the problem was that year was also very difficult for me because I didn't know any other Christians. I call that year really a year of living between heaven and hell because on one hand, I would do all the things that I was doing before with all my friends. The difference was it wasn't fun. I just felt bad about it afterwards. And then I'd go home at night and I'd read my Bible and listen to my Petra music <laughs> before I went to bed. I don't know if that word, <laughs> that, that group means anything to anyone, but that was my Christian life. Do all the things wrong all day long and read my Bible and listen to Petra at night. Um, fortunately, God took me from Vic the University of Victoria to the University of Western Ontario, now called Western University, where I, in London, where I um, was going to study business. And, that, and the first day on campus, I met a group called Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Power to Change. At last, other Christ Christians, because frankly, at that point, I was really dying spiritually. I was convinced that it really didn't work. I was very frustrated. I didn't know anything. I didn't understand anything about God. I didn't think he had changed me. I felt guilty and lost. Uh, I met this group by chance. I was, was leaving the registration area, and, and for some reason I looked back and I saw all these people around a table, and I thought, I wonder what they're doing. Am I missing out on something? So I went over to the table and I said, do you, is there something I'm supposed to do here? And they're like, yes, fill out this survey for us. And so I filled it out, and as a result of filling out the survey, I met with a staff person over the next few weeks, and he was able to sit down with me and explain how, how God had given me his Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, my life could begin to change, and I could begin to to live in a way that, uh, that showed God's fruit in and through my life. And it changed my life. Uh, I went to a retreat shortly after that, and I heard that people were lost without Christ. I had known that I was lost without Christ. I didn't know other people were. And so I heard that people were lost without Christ. And I remember a passage in Romans. I'm sure you know this passage. It says, it says whoever will call on the name of the Lord um, will be saved. How then can they call on him whom, in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard, and how will they hear without a preacher? 
How will they preach unless they are sent? And I, and I realized that, um, that, that part of our responsibility was to, was to go to people with the gospel. And then I remember reading in Isaiah 6, 8, uh, kind of Isaiah's call where, where God says, um, where he's, he writes, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And I realized that, uh, that I was available and if I was available, I should just go. And I felt God leading me into ministry. Uh, it, was just, it was just a logical step for me. So I came on staff with Power to Change in 1985, and it's been 30 years, and I'm continually amazed what God has done through my life. I could tell stories all day. I won't, but I could. I might. No, I won't, <laughs> but I could. However, I do want to share some stories with God working through my life, and I want to share these stories for three reasons. I think this is important. First, that God would be glorified, that this is God's story and that God will be glorified. But second, I want to share these stories because they don't really belong to me or Julia and, and me, or Julia and I, but they are part of the history of this church. They're actually part of your story because these are people that you've prayed for. You've prayed faith, uh, faithfully for us for 25, 30 years now. You've given faithfully to this ministry for 25, 30 years, and this is the fruit of your service. This is the fruit of your offering. This is the fruit of the, of the things that you've been involved in. And I get to live the stories and hear the stories, and I don't do a very good job of reporting back on them, so I'm going to tell a few stories today. Uh, and third, I want to share these stories so that you would understand the potential of our university campuses. I feel that I have seen God do so many extraordinary things through my life, yet I am not extraordinary. I am very average. And when I came to Christ, I was just a typical student, like any other on campus, and yet God has used me I believe that what is so critical and exciting about reaching university students is how God is willing to take typical students with their faith and idealism and actually change the world. So let me share a few stories from those first years on staff. As I mentioned, I joined in 1985 and the campus that I was assigned, assigned to was Carleton University in Ottawa. The first person we saw come to Christ that year was a second-year student named Gabe. When I met Gabe, Gabe had spent the first year basically uh, doing a lot of drugs, studying philosophy and trying to find meaning in life. Uh, fortunately, I didn't meet him that year because I probably wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been too interested. It was his second year when he had kind of pushed those things aside, was actually starting to ask questions about spirituality, whether that had some answers for him. And so I met Gabe, and a short time later he came to Christ, and over three years I had the opportunity to mentor Gabe and disciple him. And, you know, Gabe was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't even a good student. He was not a good student at all, but for 15 years... Gabe has led a ministry to reach Muslim students in North Africa and, and has seen people come to Christ in North Africa in a very, very difficult place, which I can't name. Um, just an ordinary student who God touched reaching students in North Africa. Also during those first years on staff, I was able to take students overseas and almost every year on missions projects. And one of the most memorable projects was in, was in Cuba and it was 1992. And because we sent prayer letters and asked you to pray. Many of you prayed for that trip. Julia was desperate that you prayed because I left her at home over Christmas with Helena and took off without her, and she didn't think that was fair, but especially since I went to Cuba. But we, I went there for two weeks over Christmas with a, with a group of seven students. When we got to the city we were to work in, which was called Camagüey, um, we found that there were just a couple of university students in the entire, in the entire city. And so we met with these students uh, clandestinely at night in the basement of the church, and we would, we would share um, what, we, what we were doing on campus in Canada and how they could apply that in Cuba with these students. We spent as much time with, with them as possible, talking about the spirit-filled life, talking about the scriptures, talking about apologetics, and just preparing them to have a ministry, and then we left. Um, a year later, I went back, 
And this time we found that there was 12 to 15 university students in chemically, and so we were very excited about that. But we did the same thing. We met with them at night. We shared all that we could. It was just myself who had been a Christian about you know, eight years, and a group of students, many who were pretty young Christians. And so that was, that was all that God had to work with, and yet we met with these students again. And uh, I remember when I, we tried to go back for a third year, they wouldn't let us back in the country because some things that uh, we had been kind of arrested for the first, the second year. And so we weren't able to get back in. But I called the pastor of the church that we had worked with, and, and I said, Oscar, the, they won't let us in. He says, you know what? We don't need you. He said, we have over 200 university students involved in our group now, and uh, they're doing all the things you taught us, and we're just going to keep doing the things that you learned from you guys, so stay home. And, uh, and uh, um, I was amazed that God did that through a small group of Canadian students. And not a particularly gifted group, but a group willing to go. Um, there are many exciting things I saw God do at Carleton University in the lives of the students. But just to shorten my story a bit, I'll give you the rest of my biography. In 1989, God called um, me from Ottawa. God, oh, well, power to change, want God or power to change. <laughs> well, I'll try not to mix the two up. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, power to change, wanted to start a ministry at uh, Queen's University in Kingston. So they asked me to come from Ottawa, and they asked Julia to come from Guelph. And besides falling in love and getting married that year, uh, we did work very hard. And over six years, God built the ministry there to almost 200 students. And again, we were able to see many come to faith in Christ and many more sent into the harvest field. Um, one of the students who was involved was a young woman named Dory Block. And God used the ministry to give Dory a vision for, uh, for Asia, uh, particularly China. And after graduating from Queens, uh, Dory spent two years in China, and God used her to leave, lead, in those two years, to lead 70 people to Christ. 70. And uh, the ministry, um, and Dor- Dory was uh, uh, maybe not as average as I was. She was a little more gifted, and she was a very gifted disciple in working with leaders. And uh, the ministry that she started there has grown to hundreds, and we think that the impact on, the, on that part of, uh, of the world has been in the thousands or ten thousands through the ministry she started there. Through... Uh, through the little effort we put in at Queen's, through your prayers, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God did something amazing. In 1996, God led Julia and me from Queen's to Quebec City to start the, power, the ministry of power to change in, in the province. We were there eight years, and again, I could tell you so many stories of God working in the lives of students. When we went to Queen's, uh, to Quebec, we were told by many that the hearts of the people there were closed to the gospel, and that even if students became Christians, they would never join churches. However, we did not find that to be the case. Instead, we found that Quebec students are like students everywhere, skeptical but openly searching, hungry for spiritual truth, and wanting to change the world for the better. As I look back in awe awe on how God has used us, and I remember that I was simply a typical student that God put his hand on, I get very excited about student ministry. There's no place more strategic in Canada, and I think, in fact, in the whole world to the advancement of the kingdom of God than the university campuses. Why is that? What makes the campus so strategic? Well, I believe there are five reasons. I think there's five reasons why the university campus is strategic. Uh, first, it's the nature of the students themselves. They are searching for, to form their direction in life and values, and they are completely open and willing to change. They are at a time in their life where they're throwing off the values that they grew up with to choose their own. This fact is well known by companies who try to exploit this by marketing heavily to this age group, knowing that the new patterns that they choose, whether it's from new banks or uh, soft drinks that they drink or cars that they drive will be established at university and they will keep those for the rest of their life. Uh, It's a time when young people are open. So how is this relevant spiritually? Simply put, university students are wide open to change in their spiritual beliefs. 
However, there's also a potential negative side to the university experience. Many young people who come from Christian homes will turn solidly away from God during the university years. Their openness combined with a culture that attacks the intellectual uh, integrity of the Christian claims, while at the same time offering unlimited opportunities for immorality, is often too much for their immature faith. That is another reason it's absolutely essential that we have Christian movements on our campus. In my life, just to have met other Christians who are intelligent, who, who, are, who like sports, who are attractive, was life-changing for me. I, I didn't know Christians could be any of those things. Uh, I don't know if that sounds funny, but I really didn't. And uh, uh, most people don't. So the university is strategic because it's a time of unbelievable openness in the lives of young people. A time for them to examine alternative values and beliefs and make life-altering choices. The second reason why the university is strategic is that not only are students open to change, they are extremely accessible. We still have almost unlimited access to students in Canada. We can, we can host debates, give lectures, buy space in student papers, put up posters on special reserve places on bulletin boards. Or we can approach students randomly in the cafeteria or on campus and just sit down and talk with them and, and they listen and, they, and they, they, they dialogue because it's, it's almost part of their creed. They almost have to because they're university students. They almost would be denying their essence if they weren't willing to sit down and have a conversation with you. Um, we do not have this kind of access at any point before or after this time in their lives. An example, Veronica Gay is a good example of this type of openness and accessibility. She grew up in a non-religious home uh, near Lac Saint Jean. Her father was a philosopher, uh, philosophy prof, and he did not believe in God, and he basically taught atheism. In her first year of university, she saw a poster for a debate on the origin of life. And so she went, and she found it interesting, and she walked away thinking, hmm, Maybe God exists. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is a God. But didn't leave any kind of contact information. A year later, she came to another lecture that we put on at University of Laval. And this time, one was on the existence of God. And she walked away sure that God existed and curious about Jesus, but again, left no information. And then the third time she came to a lecture, um, she, she uh, started talking to one of our students afterwards. They met a few times, and she came to Christ uh, uh, shortly after that. Um, before she graduated, she led her roommate to Christ. She led her dad's girlfriend to Christ. I don't know how that worked out, but she did. And she led a couple of other students to faith. Uh, she continues to have an impact through her job and helping youth in her home church. The university is strategic because of the accessibility to relatively open students. The third reason the university is strategic is the potential of students who are there. In general, the university students are bright, creative, and very capable. When we reach a student, we are reaching a potential leader of tomorrow. It's very hard to have, a kind, have any kind of access to a CEO of a company, but it's easy to make contact with a first-year business student. It's hard to reach a Quebec politician, but it's easy to, to talk to a political science major at the University of Montreal. It's difficult to reach teachers, but easy to expose all students in teachers' college to the claims of Christ. Frankly, our success or lack thereof on campus today will greatly affect the country we live in tomorrow. At Laval University in Quebec, one of the young Christians we had the privilege to work with was Marie-France Lamarche. And I know many of you have prayed for years for Marie-France. After Marie-France graduated, she came on staff with Power to Change in Quebec City. While she was there, the ministry had such an impact on the campus that they were interviewed three times by uh, Radio Canada, the French um, CBC, uh, twice television, no, once television, twice radio. Uh, about, and they basically were asking questions because they had done things on chastity, and they were asking questions about young people in chastity, they're asking questions about the growth of, of, of Christianity among young people at the university campus because of the way it had been growing at Laval. And she was able to share this and share the gospel um, with over 100,000 people through the radio program of, of uh, Radio Canada. 
And again, it's just God's hand, God doing his work through a typical student. She also helped develop Bible study materials that we use in Quebec, that they use in France, that they use in Haiti. Um, the university is strategic because of the future of the people we get to work with. The fourth uh, reason the university is strategic is as a training ground for Christian leaders. I'm convinced because of their openness and their relatively, relatively few time constraints combined with a ready missions field on the university campus, we can accomplish more in three to four years in the development of a Christian leader than can be accomplished in 20 to 30 years elsewhere. For example, in my bi first Bible study at Carleton University, I had five students, none of whom were in any way planning their lives around the question of how can I make a difference in the lives of others for Christ. But during our time together, they learned how to share their faith with their friends and classmates. They, learned, they saw people come to Christ. They had the ex the th experienced the thrill of discipling young Christians, uh, new Christians. They learned how to apply the Bible to their lives. They led Bible studies. In some cases, they shared the gospel with their professors, and they all went on short-term missions. Because of God working in them through these experiences, they graduated committed to having a personal ministry and to world missions. And this was just a typical Bible study. Of the five, two are now pastors. One is, the, is Gabe, who I mentioned served uh, uh, a long time in a closed country. One is a university professor who uses his position to reach other students. And one works with developmentally handicapped youth. This year I'm leading a, a discipleship group, group with eight young men who are, are developing an incredible passion for God and the gospel as they're learning to reach out to people around them. Um, I'm so excited. I, I just love working with, the, with this age group. It's so exciting what God is going to do in and through their lives. Um, Willie McDonald expressed his, concern about the, his concerns about the ra training of young Christian leaders in this way. He wrote, We are raising up a generation of youth who, who will do for money what they will not do for the master, who will give up for a corporation what they will not give up for Christ. We are ra raising a generation of young people who will do for money what they will not do for the master and who will give up for a corporation what they will not give up for Christ. The university is a major training ground for our future leaders, but what kind of training will they get? We need to make the most of the potential that is there to train men and women to live lives whose goal is God. Finally, the university is strategic because of the availability and willingness of students to lay down their life plans to follow the Lord anywhere he takes them. I want to tell you a little bit about myself when I started this morning because I wanted you to understand that I don't see myself as an unusual person. I was just a typical student not really any different than the more than one million students who are on our campuses right now. Um, but I also did not have a lot of things in my life such as the three M's, marriage, mortgage, MasterCard, uh, that could have hindered me from following God's call in my life. When I became a Christian, I was typically idealistic like most youth, and I was willing to turn from my own plans to follow God's. And I was foolish enough to believe that, if, that I could do this for my whole life. And if I had become a Christian later in life, I doubt I would have or could have been able to make the same choices. My point is that God has done wonderful things through my life, but I was just a typical student, and I believe our universities are full of people that if we can reach them with the gospel, these people will go on to do amazing, extraordinary things for God. And we've seen this historically. Through the student volunteer movement of 1888 to 1920, more than 20,000 students were mobilized for missions, mostly to Africa. Another more modern example is happening right now in China, where this part of the world, and potentially the whole world, is being changed by Christian students from all over the world including Montreal, who are serving there as teachers, students, missionaries. Uh, what, is happening, what has happened there in the last 10 to 15 years is phenomenal. Um, the university is strategic because of the idealistic availability and willingness of students to take seriously the Great Commission. Reaching university students for Christ is absolutely fundamental if we're to see the world one for Christ. I'd like to take a minute and show you a short video. I would like you to meet Karina. Karina is a graduate from McGill University.
I met her when she was a student. She's a francophone from Montreal, and I'd like you to watch this five-minute video and, uh, and enjoy. Um, well, I know some of you have prayed for Karina because she's been on our prayer list too, and uh, enjoy the passion of this other people we get to work with. I apologize. It's in French. She is a francophone, um, but there are English subtitles, and I hope you can read them. <laughs> It's such a pleasure to work with someone like Karina, and I hope you can see the, the passion and the, the fire in her eyes, and that's why it's, it's such a thrill to work with university students. I often tell people it's, it's the easiest job in the world, and, and I, I get them after the youth pastors have worked so hard to get them there, and, uh, and I get them at the easy point in their life, and uh, I love working with students. Um, I believe, and we've seen it to be true, students will always be the main force for change in the world, for better or for worse. The university campus is absolutely strategic if we're going to reach our world with the gospel. And I know from first-hand experience that God can and use mightily even the typical student. Julie and I are so thankful for this church. Um, I hope you've been encouraged this morning by the stories of changed lives, that these stories are, are our stories. Uh, they're, they're your stories, too. Mostly there's God's stories, but they're your stories, too, because of your involvement with this ministry. Um, this is what you do, and this is what you do when you pray and, and love and give financially to people like the Bergs and to, uh, to uh, the San Jesu, Juse, is that right? Juse, and, uh, and Heather and Jeff and others. You're making it possible for the gospel to go forth in all parts of the world. And these stories are your stories too. And, and uh, the church needs to take care of, of itself, it needs to take care of its youth, it needs to take care of its programs. But it's really important that the church also go beyond and that they go into the community and you do something in the community and then you go beyond the community and you do something in your country and you, and you don't forget about the world because Christ didn't forget about the world. And this is, and this is part of what he, he calls us to. And I was, uh, I think Chris had asked me to just mention partnership a little bit. And I was thinking about the two verses this week as I was reflecting on the verse from Romans and the verse from uh, Isaiah that were big in, in, in me going into missions. And actually both of them start with ascending. If you think of the, the, the Romans passage, it goes, finally it ends with, and how will they preach unless they are sent? And it actually starts with a sender. And in Paul's, Paul wrote that, and Paul started with a sender, with a sending church. And the, the sender is so important, and you are the sender when you give to missions. And you are the, you are the initial cog in the wheel that gets people like Karina uh, um, out where she can reach people. And she sees people come to Christ every year. In fact, she just told me a couple weeks ago she had just seen another student at the University of Montreal put their faith in Jesus. And so thank you for being faithful uh, with us, to love us, to encourage us, to pray for us, and for all your missionaries. Thank you very much. You know, as we think about what Eric shared, what comes to my mind is simply this. Canada needs Jesus. You know, Leamington needs Jesus, Kingsville needs Jesus, and we're grateful for the work that Eric is doing. So as you think about that, as I think about that, we're all missionaries, like we really are, in our local communities where we live, and we're grateful for folks like Eric who are in the front lines of the schools across Canada because that's making a huge impact. I'm going to ask Eric to come up, and we're going to pray for him this morning and his family. And we're grateful for the work you're doing, Eric, and uh, it's, it's really cool to hear the stories of the kingdom and being impacted. And uh, we're going to continue to support you and pray for you. And again, here is challenge just about being in the front trenches. We're all in that. And so you just got to be bold for 10 seconds, you know, really. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And so as you think about your week coming up, think about how we're called to serve Christ, to be witnesses for his kingdom. Let's pray. 
Lord, thanks for Eric and for Julia and their family, and I thank you for the work they're doing in the campuses and how lives have been changed by your Holy Spirit and how that young man on the bus handed Eric a track and how his life changed because of that. What an encouragement, Jesus, that all we need to do is simply be available and faithful and teachable, Lord, to plant that seed, and you will do the rest. I pray for Eric and Julie. You continue to guide them and walk with them. Give them encouragement when they need it. Give them hope. Give them energy and strength. Guard their marriage and their family, Lord, and all the things they're being involved in. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would change people's lives on those campuses. And as those students come to Christ, that those teachers they work with, those faculty, will see changes as well in these kids' lives. And that would just spread across the campuses. Thank you for power to change in the ministry that they do across Canada. And Father, I pray you just bless them as a whole uh, financially. And that, Lord, we would continue to hear stories about how you're using Eric and Julia in the ministry they're involved in. So bless them today. Thank you for his desire to be in the front trenches. And I pray we're encouraged by that, God, and we're moved as well. So bless him and his family and guide us all this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you leave, if you want to pray with somebody or talk to anybody about, you know, who Jesus is or you're just going through some challenges, there'll be a few of us available here this morning. Again, thanks for being here. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend.